Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Let's get this rolling. So okay. today's guest, Don O'Neill, drag racer, TV host now. Um, <laughs> kind of just you've done everything in the racing world. And now you're kind of venturing into being in front of the camera with other racers. And it seems like this is some of your first venture into the small tire stuff, too. Have you have you really dabbled much in the small tire or once you got the ducks race and now like that kind of stuff? Actually, the whole the aspect of drag racing is like I am a motorsports passionate individual, right? And so the marketing drove me into that. And like you're trying to make a living, pay to race and, and put things together, but going in and saying, "Okay, yeah, I'll get in front of a camera." As a racer and a marketing person, you're like, okay. And then they're like, okay, well, now you're going to Ducks race. You're going to do, you know, oh, Doug's. Okay, we're going to get you to do Sick Week. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, this is different. This is different. The passion is there. Uh, but it was radio racing last week with Duck. Uh, man, that those guys are passionate. They are just as passionate as the Dragon Drive guys are. It's That is the one thing that I can honestly say is that the passion across the board from NHRA drag racing, drag and drive and radio racing. They're, they're all three different, mm-hmm. but the passion's not. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty awesome community. So how would you describe yourself for the people that don't know Don O'Neill? I mean, you're freaking multiple time champion. How would you uh, record holder? No, I don't know. Well, yeah. LS record holder on the Magnus inside for that, for sure. You've uh, raced in every car. That it seems, dri- seems like you've driven everything. Uh, as far as the, the Lucas oil series. Yeah. Started out in dragsters. If you ever, if you ever look at a Holly EFI box, I'm the army strong car that's on the cover of it. Uh, did that until I retired in 23 or I'm sorry, in 13. This is 23. Uh, I turned 50 this month. So the old, the oldness is turning in. Um, and then I went to work for a great family in Indiana and went top sportsman racing with a nitrous Monte Carlo. And then we got into the LS with the Magnuson. And now we have Jerry Haas Pro Stock Camaro that we run in top sportsman. Won a few national events, got some wallies, um, try to do everything right, right? Like that's what does right look like? That was it used to always be a phrase we said in the military. What does right look like? Mm-hmm. I've always, we've always tried to do it right. Um, sometimes we don't succeed, but we try to do it right. And, uh, yeah, now this year we're going to be pro-charged with the LS and going to chase that record. And uh, marketing guy, podcast, racers, uh, my buddy Cameron Ferre, Racers and Rental Cars podcast that we started with Race Pack like five years ago, mm-hmm. still still going. And, uh, yeah, now Flow, uh, On Air, uh, Warren Evans, Drag Racer TV. I, I guess if somebody calls me up and they're like, hey, are you do you have an off weekend and you want to do this, uh, it's like meeting you. It's like I want to hear – I want to hear the stories. That's what I want to tell to people. Our, our world needs a world that's filled with so much negative. The world needs to hear some positive, and I think I like to try to to bring that to the table. Yeah, and with drag racing, it's kind of the, the best. I always think of drag racers as, like, the top-tier people. They deal with being on the road. They deal with problems that 
most people will never deal with in their life from like cars to logistics of traveling to all of that. And we kind of get this like rare, rare, terrible, difficult sport that we all love to do somehow, (laughs) because in the end of the day, I always joke like drag racing's the worst, most difficult sport that we all love. (laughs) Oh, I would totally agree with that. And I used to joke when I was in the army recruiting is that, if they would have sent somebody from the motorsports world when I was in junior high or high school, I'd have paid way more attention to science class. I'd have paid way more attention in math class. And heck, I probably would have taken a chemistry class because if you don't think trying to understand track prep and the weather and and everything else that goes along with that, those skills are prevalent every day if you're at a racetrack. And you're absolutely right. As far as the logistics and the business and uh, what – piece of wood you're cut from to stay out here i mean obviously we're here in bradenton florida but i mean i've been in florida since the 21st of january and then into georgia and then back and and i'm like my guidance counselor so owes me an apology she just totally missed the mark and said i wouldn't be successful i'd be serving kentucky fried chicken or something or another for the rest of my life so here i am yeah no one told you you could just be a drag racer and travel the country and and get to race with your friends and have no weekends off anymore because a weekend for a drag racer is kind of like Tuesday, Wednesday. Yes. It's not really the weekend. No. Well, I mean, typically Monday and Tuesday are my days that I'm like, okay, I got to do laundry. I got to do grocery shopping. I got to get a haircut, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and you try to catch up on work because you're right. Motorsports, there's no off days. There's legitimately no off days. If you get an off day, I'd really like to know what you did to earn it because there's always something to be doing to improve your program yeah that's kind of my thought as well because if i ever like have a down minute it's probably because i'm not doing something i should be doing and i talk about this with my wife all the time because we both have small businesses and i'm like if, if we're sitting on the couch that just means we should be doing something for our businesses and we're we're kind of taking time off i guess you could say so it's oh, a 24 7 business absolutely and you know you can read and again, we've got some age difference between us, but I know your passion to be successful and so forth. And like, these are conversations that Doug Cook and I have and other, you know, successful people. Like you can read all the books, right? You can read One Minute Manager. You can read Who Moved My Cheese. You can read Highly Effective Habits. You can read all these books if you want to be a self-made person. Uh, I talk slow and act slow, but I've got a master's degree. I got a couple bachelor's degrees. I did all that while I was in the army and I was grateful for it. But at the end of the day, the sitting around and like you're saying, you're like, I should be doing something that is legitimately an anxiety feature. Like, I think it's a trait. I have it. I mean, I mm-hmm. am, uh, I talk on the podcast all the time about, uh, you know, getting help and trying to understand why you're the way you are, why you're wired this way. Uh, because in the end, our anxieties affect everybody around us. Like, affect your family, mm-hmm. who you do business with. They affect you personally. And so uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I'd be in the boat with you. Like if I'm, if I'm sitting still, it's like, well, what am I, what am I not doing? I'm really screwed up right here. This is effed yeah. up. What do I, let me get a list out. Did I not, did I check everything off? So I totally agree with you on that. Or when like you take a breath and you're like, okay, what's about to go wrong? <laughs> Cause that's, that's my other form of life. I'm like, I have this, it's always something. Like, you're never just, like, not dealing with something. So, like, if you take a breath and you're like, nothing's broken right now, what's about to what's about to collapse? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we talked about, like, 
during the dragon drives, it's like you go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. There is no middle in motorsports, mm-hmm. like like legitimately, right? In in the military, we used to always say, "Well, try not to let your highs be too high and your lows be too low." But in racing and motorsports and business, there's no middle because you're always trying to achieve. You're always trying to make your program better. And at the end of the day, I actually shared this with somebody. I had a uh, I had an individual. We were talking about anxiety and stuff. And she brought up the fact and she twisted it. And she said, how about we apply being successful to how you would approach motorsports? She's like, you make a lap. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong. You've got to improve it, right? Well, what do you do? You take time. You analyze. You make a decision. You don't make any rash decisions because it could be costly. You could have an accident. It could turn out bad. And she's saying all these things back to me, and it's like, my light switch just went on. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay, I've bought in now. You got me. You got me. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it because um, I – I don't struggle with anxiety, but my wife, my wife does. And I struggle with this like very level mindset. Like I don't get anxiety, but I don't also get like overly enthused about things. So I'm like just kind of always in the middle there. And like I have a very weird mindset that most people don't understand. I'm like, I just let things go. Like I don't, I don't hold grudges. I don't get mad at people. Like I I just let it go. We talked about that at Bradenton that afternoon. And and I looked at you and I'm going, you know, here it is. I'm getting ready to turn 50. And here's somebody that's 28 years old. And they've got this success drive. But on the backside of it, I think your phrase was, if it doesn't impact my tomorrow, I don't care. Or Mm -hmm. or you you had something. Along those lines. Yeah. And that's not saying you don't care, but it's like, I can't do anything about it. Right. Um, I have my owner has a phrase. He says, um. IMC, NMC, in my control, not in my control. Mm -hmm. And it took me a little while to really grasp that thought process, but it's, it works. There's just certain things you can't control, Mm -hmm. but you can control you. That's the biggest thing is that you can control you and how you react. Yeah. So uh, along the lines of like the mental health and that kind of stuff. So like when you're traveling on the road, like you're, on the road for weeks at a time. And like, that's, that's like a very mentally draining thing. Obviously you have the military experience. So you already kind of have that, but like some of these people that don't have training, I would say, cause you kind of have the military probably kind of trains you for that kind of discomfort, I guess. <laughs> but most people word, don't. Discomfort. <laughs> so how do you like, how, how do you deal with that? Like you traveled with your wife for a long time. Yep, my late, late wife. Yeah, yep. And I travel with my wife the same way. Yep. How do you deal with your significant other in that boat? Well, and that's the other thing is that I think when you're you both gotta be in the boat. You know, I talk to a lot of people, you know, the older you get, the more people you're around and you talk to them about their emotional situation and their relationships because you you know, and not to get off in the ditch or whatever, but Men were not made to be alone. That's just not how we're wired. We may be wired, you know, whatever book you want to read, men are from Mars, women are, whatever, okay? But the mental aspect of that is, is we're not wired to be alone. But at the same point, we're always looking for someone that we can partner with and be successful. And when you go through life, as you grow, as you mature, as you become more self-aware, which for the love of God, I wish somebody would have 
had these conversations with me about mental health 20 years ago, right? I probably wouldn't be the way I am now as I'm trying to get better. But you have to find that happy medium between each other. And it's tough. It's, it's extremely hard. And you want to know the worst part about it is, as men, we are stupid with our pride and ego. We don't want to be wrong. We want to fix everything mm-hmm. for everyone because that's what men do. But we won't lay our pride down. We won't lay our ego down and go, okay, look, I reacted wrong. That was my fault. I, I own that. That's my, you know, I have a phrase. That's my shit. And I shouldn't have pushed my shit off onto you. That was wrong. Um, but it is. It's tough. Uh, but you you make a choice, man. I mean, I you know, if we were having a podcast and I was interviewing you, I'd be like, well, what was your choice? What made you make the choice to go from what you were doing to this? Right? We all make choices. Yeah. And you meet somebody and they're not happy. They're pissed off all the time. They're angry at the racetrack. Like, the racetrack is like the last place you should ever be angry at, right? It's supposed to be fun. Yeah, if you're angry, you should probably leave. Right? Carrying that anger at a racetrack, you're just going to have that memory when you go there the next time. No. I was angry last time I was here. Have you ever had to return a forgotten bag of adult play toys to a pair of sweet old grandparents? Or have you spent your summer cleaning up protein spills at an amusement park? How about going to work every day in a flea-infested casino? Hopefully you haven't, but our guests have. Welcome to the Insiders Podcast. Each episode, we bring you an explicit account from a hotel and hospitality industry insider. To listen to these stories and more, go to theinsiders.com to subscribe. That's the Insiders, I-N-N-S-I-D-E-R-S.com. You need to pull your chapter out and go, just let it go, you know, and that's so you make choices. And I think that, you know, people come into each other's lives and you get the reason, you know, my sister and I have a saying, it's really stupid cliche, but reason or a season when you meet people, reason or a season, reason or a season. Yep. People come into your lives for a reason or a season. You know, are they there for the long haul for seasons or are they just there for a reason? You pick something up from them. They, you know, maybe they make you more self-aware of something that you had, a different perspective on life, uh, help make you more successful. They pick you up and they move on. Or they may knock you down to where you have to go get, you know, a little bit more in depth with yourself. I think motorsports is the same way. When you cross paths with people who genuinely want to see you be successful, they invest in you. They see something that they like in you. And you partner, you know, um, I look at Doug Cook. I mean, he's like the one of the youngest ones that I see right now over the last three weeks with drag and drive and, and radio racing. I mean, he sees things in people and he invests in them. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's something that a lot of people in today's society don't do. They don't invest in people. They, he, they don't. he does similar with events, too, that a lot of companies take for granted that he puts so much sponsorship dollars into events and the people that go to those events see that and they know like you feel that when there's sponsorship dollars flowing in. And that's a huge part of this racing that we do. And another testament to how good how smart Doug is and how much he loves the sport that he puts the money back in. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's another thing. Like I was telling another executive about the Dragon Drive, mm-hmm. right, that there's a go between between, you know, let's say bracket racing and then NHRA and then you have drag and drive and then you have radio racing or how, whatever order you want to put it in. The people that compete in the drag and drive are legitimate 
like family members. They're making memories. They're buddies, right? They're the Wednesday and Thursday test and tuner guys. They can't, you know, there's a lot of money into it, but they don't have the desire to spend 20 weeks on the road racing NHRA or traveling the country for 30 weeks running bracket racing. They want to hit four or five, eight events a year, make some memories with their buddies, show out because if you don't, if you're a racer and you don't think that it's something for you to drive 300 miles, then roll up at the racetrack and go mm-hmm. 10 second anything, then load it back up and go another 300 miles. If you don't think that's an accomplishment, I'm sorry, we, we're not on the same page. And that was me. I was in a 10 second car and I felt extreme accomplishment when I rolled through into the beams on that last day. Like that was. That was an accomplishment no matter what car you got. You can take a stock car out there and do that, and it's still an accomplishment just because it's not easy. It's not mentally easy. It's not physically easy, let alone the car. Take the car out of the equation. It's not easy. Oh, I I would agree with you. There were so many people the last day in Orlando that I was like, you know, the first day I'd ask this guy, random people, hey, what's your goal for the week? You know, interviews, what's your goal? Oh, I want to go. I want to do this. And I'm going, you didn't think you didn't just say, I just want to finish. You wanted to run 750s, you know, and he's like, we always want to finish. And I'm going, yeah, but you said this instead of saying just finish. Finish would be great. You asked You're- me, I would have said, I just want to finish. I just want the car to make it back because last year I didn't. So this year my goal was just I just need to complete it. Right. And that was um, that was enough for me. Just completing it. And honestly, it was kind of nice because I, did, I didn't win, so I didn't stick around for the award ceremony. I was home by the time that was over in my bed. <laughs> no, I, I totally, uh, I think I, I, would, I would tell Tom, you know, tell him obviously here's now. But, yeah, I, I dipped out on the award ceremony. I was beat, dude. And I didn't, dr- I drove, I traveled with my truck and trailer, and I left at the end of the night and went on to the next event. And, you know, I didn't have to go to a hotel. I just rolled in the next racetrack, climbed in my bed. But, the next morning and the next morning and the next morning. And it's like, I'm reading social media. This guy didn't get in the hotel till three and he's back at the track at seven, you know, four hours. Yeah. This guy was broke down on the side of the road for six hours and he doesn't even go to the hotel. He just rolls right into the racetrack. So that's the, the mental drain and the planning piece of the dragon drive, I think is a huge challenge, especially if you're an OCD guy uh, and you want, you know, you, you're like looking for everything to go wrong. And how do you plan for that? Thankfully, I'm not super like that like i can just you know grab my backpack and go and hope for the best i can kind of get away with that but then like when i go racing every bin is nice and packed away but then on the dragon drive i kind of just wing it because it's kind of fun that way (laughs) well i I mean how did you can tell those stories i think that's you you know you're like well i don't care if people go you don't care well no i care i just don't care to be that i care to do this you know and and i think that's the other economic piece of it as well that i i told so many people after the dragon drive for sick week was every economic group can fit in mm-hmm. I, I mean every economic group of motorsports high performance junkie whatever you want to call it enthusiast yeah. there's a spot for them in the sick week dragon drive competitions and i think that's awesome well that's a lot of the difficulty of just racing in general is you know, you look at the teams that roll up and you're like, that guy's got a $100,000 truck, $80,000 trailer before you even talk about your car. And then cars are deceiving, too, because my car may look terrible and have rough paint, but it may have a $150,000 engine in it. Right. So it's, it's so it's such a tough deal. And some of these like class racing, like what you just saw at Ducks Race, 
I think Stevie Fast said it best is racing costs as much as you got. <laughs> and I've I've felt that over the last three years. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, and, and you're absolutely right about that. I mean, we do. We have so much invested that at some point it actually becomes in a thought process, Cooper, that you could go, this just doesn't make sense. It, I, I mean, you know, I joked around on one of the interviews during sick week, right, like leading up to the awards, like, Okay, what are we racing for? Mm-hmm. Are we racing for a six pack? Racing for a big check? Are we racing for a, a big trophy? No, We're racing for a helmet. And it's like, please don't tell any of my therapists that this is what we're doing because we all need medication, right? They're they're gonna think we're all off our rockers. But the drive—that's I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's your golf game, you bass fish, whatever. I mean, it just doesn't matter. Do a podcast, you do a YouTube channel, whatever it is, you can invest. And spend as much as you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where class racing becomes the inevitable endless spend. Because the parts are one thing, and then the testing really can get out of hand. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, in That's like, what people always say about the class racing. Like Ultra Street, X275 and stuff. Like It just, the cost to class race is so high that people switch to drag and drive and nope time racing and stuff like that just trying to trying to stay away from the class racing and unfortunately that's where a lot of the fun is in class racing hmm. i don't know how what your experience has been with that i know you've done a lot of nhra i don't i'd be interested that's a, a one unique perspective for you to say that i don't know that I don't know about that because when it comes to the no prep um, back half of the track competition, I think you still spend what you spend. Now, in order for you to win, you still have to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for that, you still have to do some testing. There still has to be some work ethic put in uh, before you get to the track. You know, we – we joke all the time, and it's not really a joke. It's really truth. Like, your your increased potential of probability to win is done in the shop Monday to Thursday or mm. Monday to Wednesday before the haulers ever leave, before yep. you ever go to the racetrack. Your preparation, potential, uh, propensity to win is done in the shop. When you show up at the racetrack, then it becomes about your mental state, your education, your intellect, your crew around you, the people that you have to evaluate what racetrack surface you've got, who your competition is, what your potential is based on weather to make right calls. Um, I really feel like that is, that's not even a 50-50 split. I still think the work Monday through Wednesday or whenever the hauler rolls, that's 60, 65% of it. Because once you're at the racetrack, you got what you got. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's I would ha- I would love to rattle off an answer to you about that on on an opinion, but that's a unique thing to say because I don't know how much I know the no prep guys test. Well, even the no time guys too. Oh, like we have prepped no time down here, and when you talk to those guys, a lot of them are like, "Well, I can't afford to run Ultra Street. I can't afford to run, you know, X two seventy five. And that's what a lot of them say to me when I talk to them. Right. So to me, either they're maybe delusional on what it takes, they don't realize, or they're already there and they just don't realize they're already level with 
the right. guy that runs X two seventy five. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because I mean, if you, I mean, you think anything pro charger, twin turbo, big inch nitrous motor. I don't care. You're you're still. We've already crested fifty five and up. Mm-hmm. You know, I, even an LS. I mean, I think I saw. I was talking to one of the no time guys at Ducks Race. He's got like a twin turbo LS. He's got just as much as it is you're going to have in any nine degree bracket motor in a dragster to go four twenties, four forties. Right. So when they say that you want to go, are you talking about, are you talking about everything else that goes along with it? Are you talking about, you know, changing spring rates, changing shock packages? I mean, what are you talking about? Like having five or six converters or stators in the trailer, uh, different transmission ratios. What is it that you're talking about at that point? That's why I don't really have an answer for you because I never thought about it from that. That's where it starts to get, to why it's more expensive because the rules become so tight that you need to have, you know, five staters with you and be prepared to change them. But at, you know, no time racing, you can kind of be outlaws. It's just kind of outlaw racing still. But then, you know, somebody rolls out there through the pits and you're like, oh, he's here. Time to head home. (laughs) Which to me, I've been there where you're like racing where there's not many rules and they're like, oh, so-and-so's here. He's going to run through the class. And it happens. Right. Because in our streetcar class, it's lawless. It's great because it's lawless, but it is lawless. There is no rules on engine size, turbo size, nothing. So it's a little weird. Are you a car enthusiast looking for an exciting new podcast to listen to? Check out the Test Drive podcast hosted by Lepo Dead. This podcast is packed with discussions about some of the most iconic vehicles in automotive history and inside knowledge from behind the scenes. From the Mustang to the Camaro, we cover it all. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Listen to Test Drive on your favorite podcast app today. Well, I know, like, again, I'm coming, you know, in the World Series of Pro Mod this week. Like, I grew up in that day with my dad. Before he passed away, like IHRA top sportsman, quick eight, deep south, North Carolina, South Carolina, like run what you brung and hope you brung enough. And there mm-hmm. wasn't really any rules, right? The, the rules were very, very compact, very small, right? Like no two, no two power adders. You know, you can have nitrous or you can have a blower. You can have as much nitrous as you want, you know. Uh, and I could see that. It, it's it's fun to watch, like at Ducks Race last week, watching the no time, watching Taylor Lasseter go out there. You know that's a 959 or, you know, it's a huge nitrous motor, and he just goes out there and walks the dog all yeah. over everybody, which still expensive. It's not cheap. So that would actually bring up another thought, though, is are we now – rule limited to go too fast where when you were watching what you're talking about it was you know engine limited and turbo like you were power editor limited like people were pushing their combos to the max now we're raining combos in you so know, it's almost kind of flop like now we have so much power on the table that these cars can go so fast that no chassis is even certified to go that fast you know that's um it's a good point and and I talk to a lot of the rules guys, people like Sears and Lonnie Grimm and so forth, and and uh, help me out. I can't – or uh, that does drag and drive or sick week for Tom. Um, oh, Vince. Vin, um, and, uh, who's the rules guy? 
Well, John Sears was there too. Yeah, but I can't remember the. the oh, Keith. Keith, thank you. Oh yeah, Mr. Keith. Keith, <laughs> Keith will be upset. Um, you know, they talk about how fast you can go mile an hour wise with a top fuel tire, and they talk about chassis, right? Like we implemented six ten windows on top sportsman and top dragster. Um, you know, Tyler, Tyler and the guys in PDRA, I think it's like three, three fifty five or something like that for elite top sportsmen in the eighth mile. Right. So we got in, we have these rules and at the same point, I honestly believe some of them actually are for our own benefit because we're our own worst enemy. Right. Mm -hmm. If you don't limit us, we're just going to keep going until something happens and then we're all going to be like, well, we shouldn't have done that, right? Like the chassis certs and things of that nature, uh, which I still feel like, and anybody that doesn't agree or has a different mindset, I still feel like we're, you know, we should be able to come up with technology to protect people, right? We've got F1, we've got NASCAR, we we have the, the potential, we have engineers, we can do this, right? Um but also at the same point, we run out of racetracks that can handle and are prepared. And I think that's the other thing at certain points. One of the biggest reasons why I don't know prep race. I just, I, you know, we've had conversations. I, I worry about the safety aspect of it. Yeah. Well, that's why they switched from running the quarter mile in a lot of classes to running eighth mile and thousand foot. Yes. Because you just, you can't, you can't compensate for the safety. And even in like RVW, if they just let those guys go, like oh. those guys would be going so fast they'd have to be three thirty racing, <laughs> just oh. to get them to be safe speeds and to slow them down enough. Oh, absolutely, and and like that, that's a good point because if you look at when you start looking at incrementals, right? I'll go back to my statement about math. Like if somebody would have told me how much math I'm going to do reading a race pack screen and an incremental sheet on a time slip to figure out. Like, if you look at those incrementals, they're, they're limited by the racetrack. Like, take radio racing, right? Like, you can go 357 in the dark, next to no track temp, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like Luis did, and light it up. Throw 40 degrees of temperature to the racetrack, bring the sun out, and... We're back to going 368, 370 because we got to get down the racetrack or you're going to knock the tires off, right? So you start getting in these situations where you can only go as fast as the racetrack that you got, but you also can only go as, you can only be as safe going as fast as you are based on the racetrack that you got. I wish that some of the racetracks that we go to with the eighth mile, that we would have cutouts to be safer Right. Like I I know people don't think about this and 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 I do. And we had a panel at PRI and we talked about it. And I told a track track, Kurt Johnson, total venue, like. If I'm eighth mile racing and I have an accident and you are over a half a mile away on the safety team to get to me because you're all the way at the end of the concrete road, that's risky. Right. Like the risk assessment goes up for that. Yeah. It's the same thing if I'm quarter-mile racing and I tell a track prep guy, I really don't care what starting line you give me. I really don't care what you give me to 330. 
I care about from 660 to the quarter because I need to be stuck to the racetrack. I do not need the back end of the car to wash out because there's no traction down there. So there's so many things that go into it. And at that point, I think a lot of people go, well, I don't want to have to deal with that. You know, they don't, you know, they got regular jobs or something of that nature. But yeah, um, yeah you see, my car's not truly fast enough to worry about traction on the top end. But it goes 790s on the back end. So it doesn't exactly make the power to um, right. worry about traction. It stays pretty planted on a 275. But some of these guys, it is, they're going like, faster than I go in the quarter in the first two, 300 feet of the track on the same tire as me, yeah. which is just an insane thought. Well, you saw what Devin, Devin and Jordan went in Dragon Drive in that rate, rowdy radial. Yep. I mean, and they were driving off of the starting line like they were at a traffic light, mm-hmm. you know. So, I, I mean, I'm just from the standpoint of it that I think there has to be and needs to be a place for everybody to come participate in our sport our businesses need it. You got you got all the all these products, Holly Company, NOS, you know, Doug Cook Motion. You have these companies that are out here that need to sell products. They have hundreds of employees. We have to have a place to race or or, or build horsepower and show it off, right? Because, because again, I'm sorry, it's the easiest cliche. Pride, ego, and money drive everything in motorsports. It's that simple. And we need a place for everybody. We need a place for dads to take their daughters and their sons or families go out and junior drags to race and come into our sport because if we don't, we are going to die and there will be no place for any of us and we'll all be out of business and you and me are not going to be talking in microphones. No, I, I actually think a lot about that. I The smallest people at the racetrack, the kids and stuff, those are the ones that I find the most important to be there. And I want them in the stands as much as possible. So when Victor did um, Snowbirds yes. or Night of Fire, that's okay. Snowbirds, yeah. Um, me and my wife actually kind of set up a little thing where we had, I think it was eight families that we were able to sponsor to go to that event. So we paid for their way in. Oh, nice. And that was my thought. I was like, you know, families that may not be able to afford it right now, it's, it's not a cheap event. It's like 60 bucks to get in. Right. But the entertainment value, the pro mod racing, the small tire racing that you get to see at that event is what the kids probably need to see the top level of racing. And I wanted to try to do that more is bring more people to the racetrack in the same, in the same form, because man, I mean, some races are too many, not too many older people, but mostly older people. And that's a scary thought for somebody that's not even 30 yet. Oh, you're absolutely correct. I I could, I mean, we talk, um, and I have a lot of conversations, right? I think we talked about it at Bradenton that day during testing. Like, we need the crossover because, okay, it's not a shocking notice. You and I can't relate to NASCAR teams. We can't, we can't relate to a top fuel operation, right? It, mm-hmm. Probably in minimal levels we can, but that's not obtainable by the majority of people in, in the world, right? So... If it's radial racing, it's uh, factory stock, it's pro mod, it's bracket racing, top dragster, whatever the case is, the class racing aspect, you can, as you progress in a career or 
you progress as a driver with talent. People can see that and invest in you, right? And and you can probably obtain certain things in that area. Does that mean you're you're going to obtain to be the next Stevie Fast or Erica or something of that nature? Well, probably not. But there's some people out there that have aspirations, and you should. But we have to expose them, and we need them. We, mm-hmm. you know, I always said like the Dragon Drive events. Uh, well, your buddy, they're doing Cletus and Cars in Indy. Yep. And they're going to have alcohol cars there to show the fans they're going to run an alcohol race with Cletus and Cars. And I think that's interesting. But at the same point, most people in the stands can't relate to that. But they can relate, relate to stock or super stock or factory stock or top sportsmen going fast, radio racing, to bring them. I mean, we're the circus. I, I know people don't like that. They, they, I get so many people that yell at me because I'm like, dude, we're entertaining. You could spend 40 bucks and take your wife and go to the movies, get you a bucket of popcorn, have two sodas, sit there on, on your Friday night, or you could spend 40 bucks and come hang out at the racetrack. I got no problem being called a circus. I actually would like to be more like a circus because they have great attendance rates. <laughs> if, if there's more people in the seats, that means when I go to my sponsors in the beginning of the year and I'm like, hey, look at this. Look at all these packed stands that I raced in front of. They appreciate that. But if I go to them and I'm like, oh, I raced in front of, you know, a couple hundred people, they're not going to be as impressed. And, you know, if I show them like a video of my car, simple street car, show up on an open trailer type of car, surrounded by people, they'll like that. And that's that's my always thought is like, how do you get more people? I always like to compare us to Monster Jam. I'm jealous of them because oh. what they do is top tier entertainment and crowds. And I kind of get a little envious of that because if we could do that, the sponsorship dollars would just be through the roof and racing would just be better. Well, and I couldn't agree with you more on that. Feld has done, and I I think we talked about that as well. Like, I'm really excited about what Feld's done in the last 12 months. They've hired more female Monster, Monster Jam drivers, right? And that's something that needs to be done you know sports business journal a couple months ago eric and i talked about it on, on my podcast like they put out that it's it's like 3.6 or 4.2 billion dollars were generated in the female category but it's less than three percent of the actual motorsports field is female drivers so they generate the most mm-hmm. revenue they're over here driving the money but they get no exposure for it. They get no credit for it. And I think that's wrong, right? Like, where's we, we need generational. I think it's the same thing for the Hispanic, the import stuff. Uh, all of that, all of that stuff matters. And if you sit back and go, oh, that's stupid, uh, that, that's dumb. Uh, what are you doing? You're not helping grow us. And yeah. you're absolutely right. I'm, um, you know, I made the joke last week. It, it lights out that, hey, I'm the clown. I got big floppy shoes on. I'm not here trying to tell a story to make people happy, you know, and be interested in, in coming to be part of Ducks Race or get involved in a racetrack, you know, and go out in their local community and so forth. So I'm I'm absolutely with you. I'll carry the pom-poms. I mean, I got no problem being the circus because I want people to come and spend money. If it brings people into the stands and at events, I actually had a revelation the other day. I've always kind of been like the, oh, I don't really care about like ball sports, football and that stuff. Like I was like, it's stupid. It's stupid, whatever. And then I was like, man, I'd really hate for somebody to be saying that about drag racing. <laughs> so I was like, you know, yes, good for them. Yes. Like I'm kind of flopped on that now because I 
a lot of drag racers like to make fun of like football or basketball. And I'm like, no, we need those fans too. So like, stop trying to segregate us. We're all just fans of sports. That and that's very that is very true. And it's the same thing with the the, the sponsors that get involved in those, right? And the things that get, you know, you put Chase Bank on the side of a stadium. We need that. Yes, exactly. You, Come I mean, on over. I, I mean, being from the South, you know, we didn't have huge hockey teams until Car- until the Hurricanes came. But, like, minor league hockey was a thing. Minor league baseball was a thing in North Carolina. Like the Durham Bulls. Everybody knows the movie Bull Durham. But, I mean, just the, the atmosphere of that and bringing the energy and doing things to entertain people and bring them out. I mean, we could take – you said Monster Jam. I feel the same way about Supercross. I think that's, you know, I mean, when a Supercross guy that's, let's say, middle of the road has 1.5 million followers in Supercross, but some of our biggest names in motorsports and drag racing, regardless of segment, not even close. Yeah, I also worry that maybe some, this is where probably SEMA and PRI could step in and like do their um, panels, I guess, and educate some of these motorsports people on building the following and using social media, maybe the same way as like, you know, when you're, when you're recruited for professional football, I'm sure you sit down with a social media person right away and they kind of give you the pointers and they walk you through things and maybe they help get that blue check. And maybe a SEMA NHRA or a PRI, probably PRI SEMA would be able to help that in the motorsports community because if you grow everybody's social media and their likeness and following people then go to the events like street outlaws is crushing it on that yeah and they get a lot of slack but what they're doing is no filling filling the tracks yes and and to that like you look back right like so how do you split it up right so like i think and if what would make it really bad is if Courtney was in here because me and her would go off on a tangent about it. But with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Racing organizations that don't control content have bigger followings. So, it... To a degree, like if I like you brought up no prep, right? And or let's say sick week, like how much content was out there on social media from sick week? All these individual videographers, reporters, media people taking photos, individual 
influencers like yourself who have all these people that are doing these YouTube videos and so forth, right? That's great. It's free content, right? Mm -hmm. For you. Yep. No prep controls what comes out during the actual events, right? Now, there's some of it that comes out and they, they let it come out because they want it to build through because they want to increase the ticket sales and so forth, but it's not a bombardment, but it's enough content to drive the frenzy. Like, does that make sense? So like you're just barely giving you a breadcrumb. Yeah. So of, you feel you need to go. I'm, I'm just carrot. Yeah. Carrot. Carrot. Yep. Oh, wait, stick. You know, and NHRA, we don't do that. We control all the content over there. And it's this piece. It's, you know, well, we're on live TV. And, and there are certain things about that that I get. But also at the same time, there's certain things about it that I don't agree with. And that's and I feel like that's what we lack. Um, NHRA just needs more clays. Because that guy... That guy's awesome. I agree. And that's, you know, but he's not more like faces of like, you know, like this cool guy that's going to help bring people into the stands and want to stand around his car. Oh, absolutely. Like when you take somebody like, see, Clay and I grew up in the IHRA days. Like we're talking about Hooters drag racing series. Okay. That's everybody likes to think, oh, well, Hooters and, and Chase Elliott or whatever. No, no, no. We had our own, Hooters had their own drag racing series for a long time. And Clay and I used to do events together. I drove the Army car. He was driving the Warner car. We'd be at this Hooters, that Hooters. We're doing all these events, giving things away. IHRA promoted their drivers, right? They used them. And I, and I use that phrase. And most people go, oh, that's no, you should get paid for it. You're helping one another. You got it. You have to do something, right? Um, and you hear a lot of people talk about, well, I got to get paid for everything. You know, I, all my time is valuable and you go, eh, can't you give back a little bit? Can't you be out there? And that is the one thing that I don't feel like we do very well. I mean, NHRA does not have a department that of diversity or promotion, like not promotions. They have a promotions department, but like putting people out, they push people that people can't really relate to, you know, I mean, that's another thing is that you talked about older people and I missed that comment to, to make one, but dude, we need 28, 30 somethings sitting in the stands buying consumer products at the grocery store so we can get those sponsors out here in our sport. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. NASCAR does that diversity department. I mean, midway that's out of control. I mean, dude, I, I, well, I, I always joke. I'll drive the M&M's car. If they want to put up the money, like I'll wrap my car in Home Depot, like it, it the streetcar class when I race in doesn't have money like that, right? But it could. We we go to big events. The value of even ProMod doesn't though. Even ProMod doesn't have big sponsors. No, absolutely not. And that's they have like the construction guy. Like this is yes. my company. Yep, Randy Weatherford. Great guy. There's yeah. a there's a couple of construction on the side yep. of cars I've noticed. Yes, very much so. And and again, that's he. Most of those people have successful businesses, right? Elite Camp Freeman's. I mean, they mm -hmm. they they're self made. Um, you you know, even with KB Racing and so forth. I think the the miss is, and and I would say this in a boardroom to him, when you have executives that are. 20 to 30 years removed 
from your major buying demographic, your major buying demographic, which right now in all of motorsports, it is, it is 20 to 40 that just combine them together. That's who we're trying to impact. That's the next generation, not only as racers, but as people that spend money. If you're removed with that many decades from that group to understand the buying characteristics, the mental process, like you and I were talking about how YouTube's a search engine and so forth. If you don't understand that, you're in the wrong position. You are hindering the process. It is time for you to slide over and bring other people in so that we can prosper. Um, and that's, you know, that's my stance and on that. And, I, you know, I know there, there'll be people that'll hear this and they'll go off O'Neill's office freaking rocker. I'm turning 50 and I still, I'm out doing drag and drive and lights out. I'm trying to understand and look at those those people and their buying habits and what it is that impacts them because it's going to impact me in my life because this is my career. Now. And what kind of racing they like and what kind of racing people want to put their eyes on and where the next five years of racing will be because who the heck knows we could be in, we could have an electric class at that point at NHRA. Oh, we could, man. um, could have it, crazy. Who knows? I, you're the, not wrong. I top mean, fuel cars could have cats on them. I, I don't, uh, <laughs> I, right. Uh, I mean, the Teslas, the the EV classes that Summit, in, in, you know, they impacted that. They were in the bra- or the World Finals this year for the Summit ET Racing Series. I mean, I'm a horsepower guy. Sorry, I want naturally combust. I want noise. I want to smell VP racing fuel. I want to smell Mickey Thompson rubber burning. You know, I want to spark freaking NGK spark plugs. Like that's that's what I want right there. Right. So. I'm not a huge EV person, but I understand. I, I I get it. I can look at it objectively and say, okay, it's not bad for our sport, but it's not great either. Mm-hmm. But we again, we need people to come in. How cool would it be if we could get a Tesla sponsor or or anything on the EV side, right? Toyota, whoever it is, right? They're all yeah. involved. Um or even somebody rolled out there with a X two seventy five car that maybe wasn't wasn't making noise, right? Because it'd be crazy competition to see, and I'm sure the eyes, the eyeballs on that first round would be insane. I, I could, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, well, Ford did it with their Mustang, yep, right, for a factory stock deal, and then they also it Chevrolet and Chevrolet did it with a Camaro. It wasn't a slow vehicle, and that was with factory building it, not with some crazy guy in his garage like all of us right, are <laughs> right they're trying to figure out how to go more power more power more power yeah um but no i i mean i we we have to move our sport and 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 i don't you know it's not um <laughs> this is another one it's not us versus them right like i'm an nhra guy and you're a street guy it's not me versus you and it's not you versus me it's us versus the challenges that we have to overcome in our future. And I think that is something that gets lost nine times out of ten. And it's I, I wish we could figure out how to stop it and so that everybody can realize that we all have a place to fit in and we all need to pull the rope in the same direction. Yeah, I don't even personally have an NHRA license just because I've never I've never really had any interaction with NHRA besides somebody telling me, Oh, you need a license to go that fast. And I'll look around. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, right? I, don't, I don't get it. I was confused when I was like, what What do you mean? I have a driver's license. I built this car. 
they're not coming to inspect it, are they? Like, I, I don't know. I was just confused by the whole thing. And then they were like, oh, you have to pay to go faster. I'm like, I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> right? It's like, I already paid to go faster. It cost me thousands of dollars. <laughs> Make my stuff faster. Oh, I got to go over here. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's, there's a lot. I think that's also why the drag and drive competitions, you know, they go the way they are. But I mean, even, you know, even the radial side. Like those guys, there there are guys that are holding on the steering wheels that you go, there ain't no way he got a license. You know, you you just you go, there's no way he's got a license. Um, you probably shouldn't be going that fast. For sure. You know, but there's also people out there that have licenses and you go, he shouldn't be going that fast. Right. Like, I think that's everything. I think everything in life is that way. You're going to have people that are each is in there and they go, I'm going to do this and I might not be talented enough to do it, but I got the money and damn it, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And then you go, I hope and pray that you don't get hurt or hurt anybody else. Well, it's also it's very different than like a CDL class. (laughs) Those like (laughs) there's a lot of those guys that shouldn't be driving. Right. And they pass a lot of tests. NHRA test is just like, okay, you made a pass, you got out of your car, you made another pass, you got out of your car, you turned it off, you know, you passed a health exam, yep. and then you're good to go. And the health exam stuff, man, some of these racers aren't exactly in shape. No. So I question that also. How many of them got cholesterol medicine and diabetes medicine uh, after they went to get their physical? Exactly, oh. exactly. No, that, no, that's a that's a given. I, I mean, I, there's, I, I'm for... It tells you how long ago it was. I had to take a blindfold test when I got my NHRA license. Like, I mean, legitimately, there there are things about being in a car that you should think about not only for you, but the person in the lane beside you and the people around you. You should be able to close your eyes and know starter, fire handle, parachute, stop nitrous bottle turn it off close the valve you should be able to sit in the car and be able to do that done hans out hybrid i'm out i'm out it's i got everything i could inside the car shut off so the fuel pump doesn't keep pumping fuel all the ground and and helping build a bigger fire you know the nitrous bottle is not going to melt the line through i've already turned it off shut the valve you know because it's your life it's also your investment you just said that well i've spent all this money to go fast did you spend any money to protect yourself? You know, and then that's, you know, Lyle and I are buddies and, you know, that you, um, I think that gets lost on people. Yeah, I'm I'm a stickler on my friends, too. I get on them for not enough cage, not enough fire suppression, not enough visor down. I'm like, I'll look at an in-car video of my buddy and I'm like, you're in there going sevens, no gloves on, no visor down. You need more cage and you also don't have a fire suppression? Because I've had to use my fire suppression, and I know how valuable that thing is. That $400 bottle all of a sudden is a $10,000 bottle. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Like worth at least $10,000 in value because you don't know how fast that safety safari is going to be. I, that's, again, you know, and I think you saw it. It lights out. With, it came with, up this, yeah, yeah, it came up this Craig, weekend. With, with Craig, and that's at the middle of the track, like where he's at. He is, he is legitimately closer to the starting line than he is the end of the racetrack. When the when Randy Lee, the starter, gets there first on a scooter, 
from the starting line, that tells you how close he is to the racetrack versus how far away the safety guys are. Um, but, yeah, you have to. Well, not even just that. The safety guys had a problem. They pulled up. They put one of the rigs on the side. They were fumbling around not to take anything away from the safety guys. But sometimes you get caught up in the moment and you've been sitting there in your fire suit all day. You're sweating. Things yeah. like that happen. Yeah, I will say this. Like Randy, Randy's most people don't know this, but Randy's a military guy. He and I have that in common. We're both 20-year guys uh, in the Army. And we kind of joked around a little bit. It was like, not, and you know, it's kind of a deal, right? Like I was on, in a helicopter, and we used to, you know, it was like, okay, this is risky, but we have to arrive to be able to provide aid. If we don't arrive safely, those couple extra seconds that you arrived and screwed it up could matter on the outcome. So take the time to get there right versus just getting there. There's mm-hmm. a difference, right? Um, and that was, you know, I, and I don't know if you saw the interview, but I interviewed Craig, and he was like, I was like, why did it take you so long to get out of the car? And he's like, I was trying to get the fire bottles, and he bent the bracket. I mean, you know, that's a – but again – I mean, I wrecked and bent my steering wheel. I drove with a freaking bent steering wheel for over a year before my owner realized that the steering wheel was bent because when I hit the wall, I, sh- I you know, you're not, yeah. not supposed to, but your arms hit. And he's like, I couldn't, you know, I bent the bracket. I couldn't get the fire handle out, but I got out of the car after it was coming through the wall. You know, you get you get to a certain point point, you go, okay, it's getting hot in here. It's time for me to go, mm-hmm. you know. So. Yeah, I watched Tom Bailey have a similar issue last year, and I was watching it live, and I was just like, I was in there like, Kind of biting my nails, like, all right, when are you when are you hopping out? When are you hopping yeah, out? Get out of the car. Get and out. I've, I've seen that, but I've seen people hit the wall and get knocked out too. Yes, very much so. And, and then that's where you hope that the safety training, and that's another thing, is like who and where is the training coming from? Right. A lot of them are first responders that come from outside of the track, but some of them are just internal employees, right? And you wonder where that comes in. And even me as a driver, I would love to go to more safety training. Because sometimes as a driver, you're the first responder for the guy in the lane next to you. Yes. I've been in that situation before where you're the closest one to the fire that just happened and the guy that's up against the wall. And you're already in a fire suit, so you're like, shit, well, I can I can help. I know the photographer on that deal kind of was getting a little bit of flack. Yeah, he he's, did. He's in he's in a t shirt. Yeah. And it's I, a methanol fire. I don't and I don't uh and I you know, and again, I I guess that's the best part about being who you are, right? Like, my stance is, I don't want to hear it from you because I've been in a methanol fire, I, and I, you already, again, you have one individual that's at risk. The driver in the car is at risk. As the safety team shows up, they need, they need to be focused on the driver at risk. Not the good Samaritan who came in and then all of a sudden why he was trying to be a good Samaritan. He's at risk and now he's hurt. Now we went mm-hmm. from one individual that's at risk to two individuals at risk. You don't want that. But again, people that have never been in a situation of evaluating the risk, they don't understand that. You can't have that conversation with them. You can't teach them that perspective. Um, you know, the Freeman camp <laughs> – uh, they had one of their drivers in Topeka. I red lit one thou and was idling down the racetrack in the final. My competitor sends it, lights the scoreboard up. You know, he's winning. 
goes to throw the shoots, has no shoots. He bounced off both walls in front of me, and I'm the first one that gets to him. And when I get to Allen, I'm like, are you okay? Yep, yep, I'm good. I mean, I'm getting to him, and I'm on the racetrack first, right? And so... Yeah, you had to get out of a car. Right. And still got there. Right. And so you you have to... You just have to have those moments. Um, and top sportsmen, we always have a moment. Randy Alexander passed away in Atlanta a few years ago in a horrific crash. Um I messed my wife up at the time. I mean, she's coming down the return road to come get me, and car parts are flying over top of her, the scoreboard and the wall. She's dodging this. It messed with her for a couple weeks. You know, she had to go talk to somebody because she's like, hey, I don't want my – this is my husband, and that you know, which I've wrecked a couple times, one without her and one with her. Um, well, no, two, two without her, one with her. Uh, but, you know, you just – I, I did that piece for Flow after Craig, after I interviewed Craig about perspective and taking a moment and, like, really thinking about it. Like, whether you're on the highway and you're being overly aggressive, you're not giving enough space, you're not, you know, you're road raging it out, you know, uh, and then you cause an accident or somebody gets an accident and you see cars on the side of the highway and somebody's not going home, you know. We travel a lot not uncommon for you to see a life flight helicopter and traffic backed up on a major highway. Somebody's not going home today because something went wrong. That's the worst thing in drag racing because we have, we have the potential to protect ourselves, safety equipment, fire suppression. And, uh, I'm for going fast. I wear a, I wear a very expensive helmet on my head. My head is worth a lot of money. Yeah. I don't want to be a vegetable and people will say, Hey, I need a helmet. And be like, okay, it's a thousand dollars. What? Dude, how much is your head worth? You tell me. Well, how much is your head worth? I'm just asking you. You're the one that gets to decide that. Um, again, I think I mentioned it earlier. It's choice. Everything comes down yeah. to a choice. I had a buddy message me earlier. He was like looking the other day. He was like looking for some safety equipment. And he was like, what's like a good budget, reasonably priced safety equipment? And I was like, I can tell you what I use. I'm not really looking for a budget or sa- or cheap safety equipment. He's like, oh, that's a good point. I didn't really think about it like that. <laughs> like, it, it, you can cheap out on a lot of things on a race car, but that's probably not one of them. No, I, um, I mean, I've been with Simpson for, golly, dude, early nineties, over thirty years. Yeah, over thirty years. I don't. I mean, that's what I wear. I wear, you know, I'm wearing a stylo, stilo, depending upon where you're from, mm-hmm. uh, helmet, 15-layer uh, suit, shoes, I mean, gloves. I wear a hybrid. I was wearing a hybrid going 180 miles an hour in a super comp dragster before they made it mandated uh, be- because. That's what I wear, you, you hybrid, know. Simpson hybrid. I, I mean, you can, what's your life worth? Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, um, I've had Peyton Manning surgery a couple years ago, you know, and like, that was his big the 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 doctor was like, okay, well, you just got to take care of your spine now. You're fixed. He goes, but now you got to take care of it. Okay, well, I, I I take care of it. I wear a head and neck restraint. I don't want my you know, and I've had an impact. I don't want my head to detach from my spine. I kind of need it. Well, I mean, if Earnhardt's crash taught anybody anything, like that's it's a key your neck movement. Yes, and well, so back to the military and your training and. Talking about training drivers a little bit, is there anybody even trying to do that? Or is there anybody, like, 
kind of pushing more for the driver training aspect like yeah no and i'd be curious to like learn about that personally i would go to a weekend class and learn driver yeah now so obviously the first one that comes to the top is frank hawley right In, in in gainesville he i mean he's one of the best he's different right he's very methodical which is fine roy hill used to do it a lot still does but i think he's been recovering health health wise um and then there are individuals that have had success you know that they will um take time out and say okay look this is how this is done and go through the process and i think you have to you need to have somebody that has wrecked has knows and 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 emphasizes to you okay cooper this is right this is wrong i mean i will never forget Dale Brinsfield and Rick Moore. This is going way back. These guys were pro-modified drivers, top sportsman, quick eight guys in North Carolina when I got my license. And I was in the car in my dad's 55 Chevy. It was a five-second car, steel body 55 at that time. I'm 19 years old. My dad's passed away. I'd made a 1,000 laps in that car, but I'd never been down the racetrack. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sit in the car, you're like, yeah. Yep. Uh, and they said, always remember this. If you're in the left lane and you're going, you're going right, you're going to have to lift at some point because which way does the engine turn? Directional forces are going to continue to take it that way. If you're in the right lane and you're going left, you you might have a chance to be able to drive out of it, right, or, you know, get back in. Uh, and then it was the wheel. Everybody always want to know why there's a big old piece of yellow tape or colored tape around the top 12 o'clock. It's so that quickly we can reference where the wheel is in position, right? And it used to be this is good, this is okay, no, right? This is good. This is okay. No. Like you get to a point and you go, okay, yeah. step off the gas, race another day. But you have to take those things into consideration and learn them and practice them. And um, I think that is military training. You know, I mean, we always, the military cliche is we, we, we train like we fight. That's, I mean, whether it was in helicopters, in the field, on the gunnery range, whatever the case was, we train like we fight so that when it comes time to fight, we've been through this. We know what to do. And there are people out there, I think, with you being as close as you are, you know, somebody like Frank Hawley, I think he teaches a mental, like a, a policies, procedures, kind of like practicum. Uh, that's only a couple-day class or something like that. Like, But most of his start out as like super comp, super gas mm-hmm. license and so forth. And he does A-fuel, does alcohol. A lot of the nitro guys, they've all started out with, you know, with Frank. Obviously, the newest one is Tony Stewart. You know, he went through Frank Hawley's school. It was well-documented last year at the beginning of the season that he went through it, took time to learn. So, and I, and I think it's invaluable. What do you invest in, right? Yeah. If, if you're an electrician, you, you you have tools that make you be able to do your job quicker. Yeah, we all have we all have a lot of nice tools in this drag racing world. <laughs> Multiple sets, unfortunately. Right. So, I mean, we invest in it. So, you you bringing that up, I you know, I think it does something good for people to learn. Uh, there's a lot of people. Mike Hill trains people, you know, with George Williams that, you know, in the radial versus the world car. Mike Hill's trained a lot of radial racer guys, grudge guys, mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, Jeffrey Barker, Stevie. There are people out there that, you know, that'll. So, let's talk about some of your 
accolades now. We've talked about logic, I guess, behind <laughs> racing and emotions and feelings and struggles of racing. So your racing career started, you said you were 19, went down the track in your dad's, in your dad's um, 55. Yep. And then how did it progress from there? Where did it go? Oh, God. Um, when, I was already in the Army. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I joined the Army out of high school. My dad passed away in in '92, uh, and uh, I gotten went to Alaska, came back to Bragg, and uh, my dad had a circle of people around him that cared about him, and then you know obviously me and, and trying to continue to race, and uh, got with got with a couple individuals, Wanda and Thurman X, I'm out of Greensboro, and we got an old hardtail dragster, and I went down this path that I was gonna, I was going to do this. I was going to start chasing, um, and doing it. And I, and I honestly, if you look back now, as I'm getting ready to turn 50, it was my way to stay attached to my dad. Like, so we talked about anxieties and learning things about yourself. Right. So like I held on to that, like would like legitimately, like for Mm -hmm. me to sit here and this is kind of, you know, you kind of get a little lump in your throat, but like, I did. I held on to drag racing as a way of trying to finish what my dad started, what he wanted to do in life. And he always put the family first. I mean, everything was about the family over racing and so forth. And so uh, that progressed for a while. Um, Trips overseas here and there throughout my military career. And then um, in the early 2000s, kind of uh, stumbled into – the army finding out that I drove a race car mm-hmm. and I had to get a letter uh, that said I could compete in the extreme sport. And uh, shortly after that, um, I had moved over to recruiting command. And obviously everybody knows Tony Schumacher and the U S army and what he was doing at the professional level, but I was an actual soldier. So I'd travel around the country, do high schools and college appearances and, and festivals and things of that nature and help recruiters. I was a recruiter, a college recruiter, medical recruiter, did a lot of different recruiting career-level stuff while I was finishing up my career. But Monday through Wednesday, I'd be in a high school or college to a Monday or whatever. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I was at a racetrack and was racing and competing. And my claim to fame then outside of the Holly EFI box was I went to the finals at the U.S. Nationals uh, in 2010. And Troy Coughlin Jr. of Jags, that was his first Wally win. So he, mm-hmm. I was runner-up to... TJ uh, in the finals, um, which was huge. And I kind of stumbled through that day, through that whole entire week, right? Like drag week and duck week, they're marathons. You hear people say that. U.S. Nationals was a marathon. And uh, shortly after that, I retired from Army and went to work for the family I work for now, the uh, Straussweg family out of Evansville, Indiana. Uh, he'd been in motorsports, uh, family RV dealership. They just, you know, we kind of clicked and hit it off. Mm-hmm. And so uh, started out driving uh, the Salute Our Troops car for Kangaroo Express. If you've ever heard of them, they were a pretty big convenience store chain for a while. Mm-hmm. We raised money for the USO, Fisher House, military organizations after I retired. And then uh, transitioned into top sportsman racing, which I think there might have been a little bit of apprehensiveness about my owners uh, for me, you know, because I had spent, dude, 20 years driving a dragster like yeah. i mean that's why i drove was a dragster because i could do it all on my own 
I mean, you literally could, you know, you didn't need anybody with you. You still change transmission by yourself if you needed to and, and so forth. You still burn out, back up. You didn't need anybody to help. Uh, there's, no, there's none of that. And then uh, we got into door, door car racing with the top sportsman car, and we had one horrific year. Uh, I wrecked it. Um, tore it up good. Uh, we put it back together, and the next year we went on a tear, and we started winning, uh, started going fast. Uh, my late wife died. She, uh, she was all in. I mean, you know, we we had a we had a great run. We won our first, when I won my first national event, Wally. Uh, there was nobody in the stands. They, Stevie Fast had had an accident in Pro Mod. That was the, that's why he actually had to have spine surgery, neck surgery this year. Um, and so they pushed us back. And so I didn't get I didn't get an interview. Uh, I didn't get on the big screen. Didn't get any of the accolades right that went along with it. Um, and got a winter circle, yep. right? So then we fast forwarded. That was in April. We fast forwarded to June to Chicago to route 66. And I won my second event completely controversial. Um, I read lit and Lester Johnson red lit or didn't write red lit, but he, Went down the racetrack beside me, behind me, and clipped a timing block. Lost a flat tire. Got a flat left or right front tire. Crossed over. Did, and just, they said he nicked the block with his headers, right? And at yep. the time, that's a DQ. And I'm just rolling down the shutdown area. And I'm, like, trying to go to my pit. And they're like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. You won. And I'm like, what are you talking about? How did I win? I turned it red. You know, and uh, yeah, so you're beating yourself up in the driver's oh, seat. Oh man, from, from I mean, again, I turned red and yeah. was out of it by the 330 cone and just rolling down the racetrack. Um, but I got my interview, and that was a big deal. North Carolina, I'm from, so my first one was in Charlotte, national event win. My second national event, Wally, came from Chicago, where my wife died at the time, my late wife, so where her, where she was from. So that was kind of cool. Um, Won some divisional stuff along the way. Finished uh, one year. I finished, I think, second or third in the division. A couple years, top ten in the world. And then I got the ridiculous idea to go build an LS um, and put it in a Jerry Haas Pro Stock Camaro to go run Top Sportsman. So um, took me a minute. The Camaro that we have actually was a Shane Gray car. Uh, people know who Modern Racing, Justin Elks, and then its last was Alex Laughlin. It was the Gas Monkey car, Gas oh, Monkey right. Garage. Yeah. It was his. It was his pro stock car. So we picked it up from Elite, um, and it was a marketing experience. Just a marketing. I went to PRI, and I think that was in eighteen seventeen, and the all these LS engines are on the floor at PRI. They're in all these booths, Cooper. And, I, and I'm like, there's no big-inch nitrous motors in here. There's blower motors, and there's LS motors. And it was like that was the, like, it's climbing, right, trajectory. And I told my wife on the drive home, I said, we need to build an LS and get a pro-stock Camaro and go fast with an LS and be different. And she's like, why? We're, we've just finished top ten in the world two years in a row, and now we want to start all over? And I'm like, yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Very much so. Because there's nothing cool about a big inch nitrous motor running in top sportsman. 
you're 28 years old. You could give you could give two shits less about that. But if I have an LS with a Magnuson or OEM blower or turbo or a Pro Charger or something like that, that's cool. That's yeah. modern. You care about it. So I convinced the owners to do it, and um, you know it took us a couple of years, but we I got to a final, got to a final in Topeka with it, and then uh, when we won Bowling Green, would have been two years ago. That was kind of a uh, right after my my wife had passed away. She passed away in April, and we won won a Wally in August, and that was uh, that was a uh, um, an emotional deal, and it was kind of like the cherry on top. You know, we had taken it as far as we could, mm-hmm. and uh, so now moving into this year, we'll have a a Pro Charger LS and try to you know we do we have the L, we are the world's quickest and fastest Magnuson. Um, and I don't think, I don't think anybody's going to ever take that away. They may at some point, uh, but I think for right now. Um, How I, fast did you go with the Magnuson? Was it twenty six fifty? Yeah, with the twenty six fifty. Actually, just like a factory stock showdown, uh, but we did it with a four twenty seven, mm-hmm. and uh, we went uh, four twenty nine in the eighth, and we've been six sixty nine in the quarter. Yeah, that's flying on a fairly small supercharger. How about OE OE supercharger? Something you can find on a Corvette or a Cadillac yeah, or so forth. Not, you know, not that much. No, and so uh, yeah. So then you know now we're going to chase the Pro Charger deal, um, which I think the Pro Charger record is like four eleven or something like that. It's not yeah. it's not very fast, and I think it's even on a two thirty five or whatever. So uh, want to do that? We've got a great relationship with Energy. Uh, we've got their billet block. We have a great relationship with LSR. Uh, concept performance, their mm-hmm. their new block. Uh, that's the first one we're going to start the year with, and we'll have the billet one that'll probably come out mid season. And uh, yeah, so we're gonna, you know, I, I, the thing is now it's like I want to do something that means something in the social media world. Like you know, my best content that I get people feedback on is when I post a reel of the Magnuson on a hub dyno at Joe O's place in yeah. Chicago. And they can see the throttle body, and it's yeah, they got that big old throttle body on there. And and, you know, people are like, "That's awesome," and I'm like, "Yeah, okay." So that means something, you know. Uh, So I want to, you know, do that with the Pro Charger deal, and uh, I'm excited about it. And um, because we just we ran into issues with longevity on the LS stuff. That was with the Magnuson, right? You had to spin it so hard to make horsepower out of it. Man, it was always on the ragged edge. Um, blowers are hard on LSs in the crank department. They yeah. like to they like to rip snouts off. They like to um, push forward and back on the crank. That's what I've always seen. Oh, you're absolutely right. We broke a crank at Norwalk. Uh, the car left the starting line, and I run a steel rod for a throttle. Right, I don't run a cable. Don't drive by wire or anything of that nature. Um, and they asked her like, "Why do you run a steel rod?" Well. It's at the top of the engine. So it's at the top point of vibration, right? And so the car left, and the vibration was in my foot. It was not in my butt, like shaking the tires. And I stepped off real quick, and I thought, like, something was wrong, coasted down through the racetrack. It broke the front snout off. Well, I didn't see it. And we get back to the pits, because I bump it around. The engine spins freely. Well, of course it does. (laughs) Real easily. (laughs) 
<laughs> of course it does. And we get back and we take the front end off and we're bumping it around and you see the front damper. It goes like this. Go, whoo, I know people can't see me doing yep. this, but it's like, whoop. And it's like, well, that's not smooth rotation. Broke it clean off. That's 60 pound weight hanging off the oh, nose. Absolutely. Off the front. So, yeah, it's yeah. hard on things. We'll go into the bill of block. Maybe we'll help support that a lot more. Well, I don't know what you had before. I, I, just, I just, I guess, assumed it was like an LSXR. An yeah. LSX. So we actually started with a uh, the old RHS, the mm-hmm. R- cast block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the LSR from Concept Performance has got some beef in the bottom end of it. Really excited about the main caps in it, the structure that they've come up with. I mean, it's beefy. Um, so I'm excited about that. And with the Pro Charger being right on the front direct, I'm really hoping that that solves a lot of those issues. Yeah, I yeah, just really- do a d- direct drive deal. That's what a lot of people are going to in the um, in a lot of the big tire world, I guess. Um, Pro Charger has pushed that really far, but rules also help. Absolutely. So when they take 100 pounds off Pro Charger, all of a sudden it goes way up. Yep. When they add 100 pounds, then everybody goes screw blower. Uh, yep. It's kind of a funny thing. They're like, wow, everybody's using Pro Charger. It's like, well, the rules kind of help them a little yep. bit. And, and, once, and, and that's, that's the thing about that type of racing where, you know, if you were going to go back to, you know, I couldn't really give you an answer about the class stuff. That's where I would tell you the expense piece comes in that I could totally understand. You take somebody like Stevie, who's run roots blowers forever. And then he gets a screw and, you know, but he was a nitrous guy before that, you know, I mean, uh, all the pro line guys have always been pro charger, right? That's where, that's where that power is. Uh, you get Justin Elks and the turbos, Chris Thorne, those guys, there's, I mean, everybody's got their version of what they like and can make run. Uh, and then the rules change it. And then there you go. So there's the expense and the investment. And a lot of times it's not just, you know, like our front end, our front half, the engine compartment's got to be reworked. Rack's got to be moved. Engine plate's in a different spot. The plumbing's all different. So it's not like you can just swap from an OEM supercharger in the Magnuson and go straight to the Pro Charger. It's, it's yeah. got to go back to the chassis shop. You got to, you know, turbo's the same way. That's nothing telling you. You got to have piping. It's got to be clean. Um, so I, that's probably where I would tell you I would side on on that comment about the class racing and the investment piece. Once they add weight to a combo, I mean, I, you saw the diesel stuff out there running high mile an hour, and then they still add weight. They've added weight to him every season. That's what he was saying, and that was, like, stupid. He's over there telling me, he's like, yeah, we, you know, we use nitrous to, to spool it up, and I'm going, what? And then he goes to the pole. Yeah. I'm like, holy cow, dude. That was that to me. That may very well have been one of the most impressive things with a diesel, and he just goes to the pole going that weight, that weight, and that speed. What Ryan Ryan Milliken is doing with that car is absolutely insane. One of my favorite cars to watch, just because of like seeing the difficulty that it has, but then also the the reward that it gives you is awesome to see and that's i guess all drag racing is the difficulty and then the reward hopefully is bigger yes overcoming (laughs) the challenges yeah you know for sure so that's a that's a cool side of things i I don't i don't think i've seen anything in um in pro mod yet with the diesel but maybe uh maybe somebody will venture into there that would make lonnie Grimm and the rules department start to (laughs) start to shake out if they had to try to find a a weight and everything to to control a diesel guy we've had some diesel dragsters and top dragster um 
they've tried in the past. No one's really ever made it work because, again, it, a lot of it has to do with that spool up to get in there and control mm-hmm. it, and they always seem to blow those turbos, always. I yeah. mean, Ryan and his guys, that was just totally stoked. Hard First, on converters, hard on oh, turbos. man. Hard on transmissions, you Absolute, name it. Absolutely. That's why I guess their shop is hard way. It makes sense. Yes, exactly. That's what he told me. He told me I was interviewing for National Diesel Day. I was like, dude, how cool is it? You're the number one qualifier yeah. on National Diesel Day. So then um, Flow Racing, your future with them. <laughs> where where are we looking at? Because it seems like you kind of just popped up because Flow needed, they, they needed somebody on the ground that could actually talk to racers. And you've seemed to be the perfect guy to actually go and talk to these racers because you've been in their shoes. Uh, it's very, very nice of you to say that. Um, I don't, Mike Levy at Flow, um, you know, and I guess to back up, like we go back to speed video days, right? So let's go back to that with James Lawrence. Um, Cam and I were, and you can, anybody go back to Racers and Rental Cars, it's out there. We were very, um, how about adamantly critical? of James Lawrence in the speed video deal. Many people have been. Um, Because like anything, and I I legitimately mean this when I say anything, I don't mind paying for something if it is equal in value or better in value than what I am paying. I don't like to stand in line at restaurants to wait to give you my money. I have a, I had a grad professor tell me that one time. He's like, never make your customers stand in line to give you their money. They showed up to give you their money, get their money, and give them what it is that they came yep. to get and make it make it match. When Speed Video came onto the scene, that was not the case, right? And you can go back and listen to the podcast. We had James Lawrence on, and I went at him, and I pulled no punches with that. It's when initially when I first met Doug Cook. And we and Doug was on, and we had conversations. He shares that. Yes. And so we went through this, and I was, you know, the, all these comments of the buildup, the characteristics of what we're going to do, blah, 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 blah. None of that was coming true. None of it was coming true. But we're still charging people, right? Quality sucks. Can't drop in this, that. So fast forward, flow, purchases. I get in touch with Mike Levy. Vice President at Flow. I said, hey, I need you to come on the show. Tell me how you're going to change this. Because right now, this is shit. This is, yeah. not, this is not good for our sport. This is not good for the motorsports world of drag racing for what we've had. He came on the show. And he's like, and he pulled no punches. He's like, it's going to take us a minute to get it, but we're going to get it. And, I mean, fast forward now, I think we're three years in-ish, ish maybe. Yeah, three, about may, that, yeah. Three. A couple and, rough years, though, too, yes. with the world. Oh, absolutely. Got to right. give them a little bit of that. Right. How, how do you not cut them slack, right, Yeah. for COVID and, and everything else that went on? So Mike and I created a professional relationship, and we talked a lot about things. Like, I, I mean – you met Warren. He did Sick Week. He's done it in the past. Uh, Warren and I are very good friends. So the live streaming aspect matters to me because 
my people, I say my people, you're one of my people, Doug, my people that are never going to be on the big, big TV show, Fox for NHRA, right? My people need a place for their story to be told, their background to be told, their racing experiences and competition need to be told for their families and their sponsors so they can continue to grow at this level because there's more of us down here than there is up here. And I know they can't see me as I put my hand up in the air, right? So I need my, and and that was my thing with Mike is that we need the live streaming piece of this to be successful and be, be amazing, right? Yes. Are we going to have issues? Oh yeah. My first event with them, I sucked. I sucked on Friday and Saturday. Horrible. I can talk all day long, but if the camera turns on, and I don't really know at that moment what I'm going to say. As I tell everybody, they go, what are you going to say? I was like, well, just stick around. We'll both be surprised. You know, um, it was a struggle. And we went all weekend, Friday, Saturday, U.S. Street Nationals. Sunday afternoon, we are, we are like five hours from being done. A flawless weekend. And the modem goes down. Not Flo's modem, the racetrack's modem. And all of a sudden, my phone's going ding, da ding, da ding, da ding. People go, oh, flow's off. You know what? Oh, you know, it, but it wasn't anything to do with flow. Yeah. But they get thrown under the bus, right? And so there's, I have a new appreciation of what goes on when there's 12 people on site. They're setting up cameras. We've got cable run everywhere. We've got trying to, to, take the production on and so forth. You're trying to manipulate the sound out of the tower from the PA and so forth. Um, But yeah, no, I'm going to blame Mike Levy and Courtney uh, for me being on air with flow. Um, I, dude, I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, and this is not like one of those, Oh golly gee shucks. Um, like, I don't know. I get people that send me comments and they post stuff on social media and they say, hey, man, you're doing a great job. And then I think, uh, okay, am I really or are you just being nice? You know, because, I mean, again, what are you doing? Um, but, yeah, I'm different from that aspect. I don't have a broadcast journalism background. I didn't go to college for that. I'm a mar- I have an MBA in marketing and PR. That's what I have an MBA in. But I'm a race car guy. And I consume a lot of content. I watch a lot of motorsports events. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of press releases. I want the stories. I want the backstory. I want people to know that, you know, I will beat drums, but you know, so-and-so was a, a medical tech and then threw in the freaking towel. And now he started a company and look, look where he is, you know, or this guy's a school bus driver Monday through Thursday, and then he came to lights out to run no time. You know, those are the types of things that I want to talk about, and I want people to know that. Um, So where are we going? I don't know. I mean, this is right now, this is the last, uh, this weekend, World Series of Pro Mod, uh, last thing I have on the schedule. Um, You know, uh, they'll kick off uh, NMCA, NMRA, PDRA. They've got a lot of other motorsports events that will go on through the year. and we'll just, I, I, you know, I, like I told him when I started, I'm a race car driver. I have a family that is my first commitment is to the Straussweg family, drive the race car. Uh, that comes first, you know, um, to them and uh, to VP and NGK and Tubba Towels and Mickey Thompson Tires and, you know, Pro Charger and Oakley Engine, you know, Streetway Marketing Media. I have uh, my, you know, my 
fam- my sister's family company, you know, Fred's, like I have these commitments that I have to fulfill and I'm going to first to them because they've been with me forever and they shouldn't have. There were times they sh- completely should have left, um, you know, when Di was sick and so forth. And it was tough on me to race and take care of somebody who was, you know, dealing with cancer and so forth. But uh, that's first priority. And if I can squeeze in a time to get on a plane and fly to an event and stick a microphone in front of somebody's face and get their story back to their loved ones that are at home, whether it's on flow or sick week or summer drive or whatever, you know, I want to do that because people need to know that the sponsors, the companies that invest in everything, they need to know, they need to know that somebody's out there that gives a shit. And I do, I give a shit. It's not just collecting a check. I, I genuinely give a shit. So, um, but I, th- I think I'm a little old, Cooper, to be trying to be the next Howard Cosell or Brian Loans. I don't think that's going to happen because I'm turning 50, so I don't know how much longer I'll do this, but I'm going to give it everything I possibly can every time they give me a chance to. Well, we appreciate that as a viewer of Flow. I absolutely throw my phone against the wall at downtime when that <laughs> F pops up on the screen and there's nothing happening. I, I'm like, show me something here. And... Great to see you out there. And then now, though, I start to think, like, because TX2K is coming up. Flow covers that. Who's going to be there? Who's going to come interview me after I blow my car up? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, unfortunately, I do not think that it will be me. Uh, But you're absolutely right. And I I appreciate you saying that. I mean, we've tried to do some different stuff. Uh, Lights out. I was... I had a great camera guy, Alex. He was very creative, uh, 27, 26, 27 years old. Um, and we were just riding around on a golf cart. And you saw us. We we're just bouncing ideas as we're going along, you know, and it's like, hey, we need to go over here and do – there was a sign, Ric Flair Boulevard, in one of the campground spots, you know, and it's like yeah. these guys. I'm like, well, come on, let's go do racing and wrestling. And I get all these guys to go, woo! You know, it's like, I just, it like, have some fun to it. And, you know, and I'm with you. I hate seeing tractors go up and down the racetrack. Nobody wants to see that. So to be able to do some interviews and stories and so forth, and it was the same thing for Sick Week. It was nice to meet people yeah. and do those stories so that they didn't have to watch tractors go up and down. So they give you a lot of um, creative freedom then, I guess, at that point. Like, yeah, actually they do. long leash. Yes, very long. Uh, you know, and I think uh, one of the, the cliches that I got told was, just d- do what you want, and if it doesn't look good, we won't run it. And I went, well, okay, that's a big leash. That's yeah. a lot of rope, right? Um, so, but we'll have, um, this weekend, we'll have a lot more specific content um, to World Series of Pro Mod because there are storylines that we can, you know, because we got some people in these, it, this weekend that, you know, the likelihood that they'd match up four times throughout a, a race season is is very slim. So we've got some storylines. We've got some people that don't like each other, like legitimately do do not like each other. Yeah, right? like, I know Lyle has some beef. Yeah, Lyle's got, Lyle's got some with J.R. Gray, which is good. That's a little, you know um, – the Richard Freeman and Chris Powers in Mountain Motors Pro Stock mm-hmm. not gonna not gonna share a lot of Christmas cards. Um, probably not gonna catch them eating dinner together. Is the grudge beef almost a necessity to our sport and our growth? Do you think that's what people want to see? Like, is that as a marketing side of things? Obviously, you're like <laughs> you could put two people on a title card. You know, the fighting deal. Like that's well, what UFC has made all their money off. Of. Absolutely, but, and you know, um, I'm from the approach of like to go back like Steve Torrance and Cameron 
you know, when, when he shoved Cam in the face in Pomona, right, in the shutdown area, and he got raked across the coals. And did I think it was wrong? Yeah. Having a verbal argument, totally cool. I got no problem with you standing on one side of your car in the shutdown area and yelling at me because I hope you don't have a problem with because I'm going to yell back. Okay? Um, my phrase is, talk shit when you're winning, talk shit when you're losing, your shit's broke on the starting line, get out of the car and talk shit. Because nobody, nobody's paying to hear, oh, man, damn, that sucks. We'll get him next time. That's horse shit. No, it doesn't suck. It's freaking horrible. I'm mad, and I need to go get a margarita. I mean, like, say it. Like, legitimately say it. There's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with raw emotion. Um, if, you, if you're offended by the raw emotion then I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Why do you watch TV? Like, why, how do you watch sitcoms? How do you watch Netflix? Like, you tuned in for some sort of drama or action to hold you in there for the entire period. I'm of that. Freaking get out of the car and, you know, I had Erica on the podcast a few weeks ago, and I told her, I was like, it was an aggressive interview, and it made it through the NASCAR world. A couple NASCAR writers had messaged me on Twitter, and they're like, we love the Erica deal. I'm like, Erica, stop being nice. Stop. Don't give a shit. When they stick a camera in your face, go, how do you feel right now? I feel pretty good. He's going over there to take the awning down, and I'm going on to the next round. Yeah. Let it fly. Yeah. Let it fly. Put somebody on the trailer and be proud of it. Yeah. I mean, I like I said earlier, I'm pretty level. I almost need like a... Almost need like a backup person, like a hype man, <laughs> right? To to do the to do the talking shit for me because I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too friendly of a person, and I don't really. I don't. I guess I. I don't know. I don't really take enough stock in it. But also in my form of racing, like when you get beat, it's usually by a car that's just a good bit faster than you, right? And if I do everything I want, I can as a driver, and I didn't red light, I went good on the tree, and I, you know, the car got down. I'm not angry. I'm happy with myself. Right. And I got truly beat. But if I do, if I don't do my part as a driver, I'm only mad at myself. I'm the hardest on myself in that instance. No, and that's like fine going too. red. Oh, man, I'm hard oh, on yeah. myself. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, but even that even the, being slow on the tree. Yeah. Well, you know, I always say that as a driver, we got two things to do. Leave on time and drive strike. That's what I have. That's that's what I'm responsible yeah. for. Right. Get the car from point A to point B. Be good up front, drive the strike, turn the wind light on. That those are the those are that's how I that's gauge, your job. I, that's how I gauge success, right? And it's not like, oh well, I did well on the tree, but I drove like shit and the wind light didn't come on. Oh, okay, I'm still good. No, 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 no. I'm I'm mad and probably need to leave me alone for a little bit so I can get over this, which probably means you're gonna need to wait to talk to me until I get to the next race. Um but no, I I want it. I, I I legit we need it. I mean, I you need somebody that goes, you know what? I'm here to kick your ass. And I want you to be motivated. Because if you go up there and you're not motivated and I kick your ass again, well, you're taking all the fun out of this. I'd really like for you to line up and try to, you know, rip my head off. And I and I tell people that I race against, like if I turn it red and they're 50 on the tree and I'm like, really? You didn't even get up for me? 50? 
You're 50. I turned it one thou red. I was trying to rip your head off, and you were just up here doing what? Yeah, lollygagging out Yeah, I mean, yeah, you lollygagged down to first base. You yeah. lollygagging and out of the dugout. You know, I mean, what the hell? I want, I'm here to – you're not – go play checkers. I don't know. You know, I mean, that's that's what – our sport needs it. What um, – Kevin Harvick, he gave an interview one time because he's retiring, and he said – when I drove for RCR and we weren't good, we started shit. He goes, if we weren't good on the racetrack, we did whatever we could to distract from the fact that we were not good on the racetrack. We gave him something else to talk about. Brilliant. Yep. Brilliant. Right? I want you to talk about me. I don't really want you to talk about me over here because I suck on yeah. the racetrack. Let's talk about something else. Oh, and I'm sure people were pissed. They were like, they're over here talking about this losing team when I just won and... I get half the articles about it. There you go. Yeah, it's it's brilliant marketing. I mean, it's it's as simple as it gets. I mean, you can't I, I, really. Uh, I, I, no, and I mean, and if you don't think it's true, look at somebody like Tony Stewart coming in to run alcohol in NHRA, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, the alcohol guys are getting all kinds of attention. They should have been getting attention for years, right? Because it's legitimately the stepping stone to top fuel, but they don't. But now we got Tony. We'll get plenty of they'll get plenty yep. of exposure. So right now the alcohol class should boom for marketing opportunities. Will it? I don't know. Yeah, so that actually is my one of the questions that I've asked a couple of people. What is the top form of drag racing? What is the peak of drag racing? Because I probably have a very different idea than you. What is the peak? Yeah, what's the pinnacle of like you have done the most in drag race? Like just the peak level of it, I guess. So, class. So for me, I don't pick a class. If you're a world champion, you're a world champion in a class. And you put it, you string together a season. But like that, that's peak. So radial outlaw ducks yeah. race yeah. world so, champ. So they 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 top pull of the, Yep. Yeah. And I think that's. I, I'll argue till I'm blue in the face. Erica is peak. She doesn't need to go win a championship in top fuel. She doesn't need to go win a championship in pro mod. She dominates pro stock. She's at the peak. Yeah. Steve, Stevie, Stevie being who Stevie is and what he's accomplished, peak. Walk away right now. Mic drop. Walk off. You owe nobody anything. You, know, you owe them nothing. If you win a world championship because of how difficult it is for what you have to string together, radio racing, no different, any form of organized racing and you string together and you walk off with a championship at the end of the year, peak, period. Because there's only so many champions each year. Yeah, even across the board of any any level of racing. But that's where it gets tough because my level of racing doesn't have a world champion. Right. Like, even the outlaw world champion is like a fairly new thing. Yep, that is. Probably two years, only two, two years. years. In. Yep. Yeah, this is so, second year. That's a newish thing too, and I've never been around NHRA real racing, like um, not real racing, but right. NHRA racing, right, like that at all. So I don't even, I don't even understand what that all takes. I'm very ignorant to that world of things, like Gator Nationals, right. I don't even know it. It's so weird because I'm in a different lane almost. Yeah, but you being in a different lane though doesn't mean that like for you. You know, if you sit down and you take a time frame and you say, okay, these are our goals, 
okay, if we accomplish these goals, is this a success? If we only accomplish this, is this a success? I think you have to do that in every form of whatever it is. You can be a go-kart racer. If you've got what's, – what's a level of success for you? Is it having metrics for your marketing partners, whether you hold a checker flag or get a trophy? If they're happy, or you, do you consider that success? For me, no, that's no, I, I get paid to win. That's, that, you know, so everybody has to find that spot. And I think for somebody like you, like if you tie, if you're able to tie in and string together your business and your passion and your brainwaves and your emotion, your intellect, and you put all that together and it, and it just streamlines over here and here you are at the end and you're racing and you're competing and then that, in turn, just becomes a cycle, and it's a merry-go-round. It comes back over here, and it starts again and continues to flow. I think that you're successful. I think that's a peak. Um, but I also think for that peak, where do you top out at? Where do you go, this is enough, right? Again, I'll go back to the cliche that I apply to everything. Pride, ego, and money drives everything. I'm a kid from North Carolina, tired from the military. I don't need to make hundred grand a year. I don't need to be a millionaire. I'm good. You know, I joke around and tell my mom all the time, Mom, I'm never going to be homeless, and nobody's ever died from eating macaroni and cheese and hot dogs. I'm never going to starve. I'm good. Everybody has to find their spot of what it is that moves them. And, you know, that's the challenge. That's a significant challenge as competitors, completely competitors, whether you're Tuesday night testing tune guy or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, NHRA, yeah, you yeah. need to know what your personal victory looks like before you can even think about winning anything. What is your personal victory? Is it going one round? You know, is it qualifying? And that's a personal victory for a lot of people. Like, I qualified at Import vs. Domestic World Cup finals. They give you a sticker if you qualified. Right. Like a congratulations sticker. Right, because it's so damn tough to do. Yeah. No, and that's, I mean, think about this. Like... This weekend, they're going to have 50 pro mods to qualify for 32 spots. Yep. A lot of guys are going home early. And the expense factor is already there. Mm -hmm. They've already spent it. Now, don't let one of those, you know, 18 guys tear up a race car, blow up an engine, you know, melt down $300,000, have an accident, wreck a car. You, you know, I mean, again, that's a great phrase for you to say personal victory. Like, what is it? You know, um, so to throw somebody else out there that I have, Jeffrey Barker, who ran Pro Mod for a while, but he's a NHRA legend. He was first; he's a first ballot Hall of Famer to go in for NHRA for top sportsman. I mean, he's the winningest top sportsman driver ever. Um, we talked a lot, and one time he told me, he goes, you know what? I don't pull out of the driveway without knowing I can win. He goes, you got a moment where you stick your key in the ignition and you go to turn it. If you're turning it and think that you can't win when you pull out of the driveway, turn the key back off and go, go the F back in the house. Don't bother. And he's right. Like in the military, I used to always say, I didn't wake up to lose today. I did yeah. not wake up to lose. Flipping quarters, checkers, chess, tic-tac-toe, pintail, knocky, I don't give a damn. I, didn't, I did not wake up to lose today. Playing bags quarters, whatever, washers or whatever the damn game is. So 
that personal victory comment that resonates. You, you need to you need to know where you're trying to go. Sometimes it may not be what you truly want. Yeah, you, some people their personal victory is the winner's circle only. Yep. Anything. I I talk to people for me, and if anybody is interested in listening, that's their interest. That's their interest. <laughs> I mean, okay. These are things that I like talking about, so somebody probably likes to listen. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, that's so. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I mean, dude, a little I, skewed from your normal podcast. A little bit, but not, I mean, because, yeah. you know, normally the podcast, I, talk, I try to talk about motorsports marketing and then PR and things of like this and that, you know, like the whole deal. Martin Truex Jr. had to put out a press release that he and Sherry are no longer together after like a fucking decade and that he's not going to entertain questions. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? What? Shut up. Why was anybody? Why was anybody asking Martin about he and Sherry splitting up? Yeah. What you know? She's been. He's been there. Like she's battle cancer, and, and I and I get it because I can relate with that. You know, Ty Gibbs being asked about his dad still now. You know, his dad passed away in November in Phoenix, the night after he won the championship, and here we are. We're in March, and the kids got to put out a press release. Because people are still asking him about how is it impacting you that your dad's passed away. Your dad's not here. Your biggest cheerleader's not here. Are you fucking kidding me? Leave the kid alone. Yeah. Have some have some decency, right? So stuff like that's what I end up talking about. And yeah, I mean, um, hey, I I just talk about anything. I we well, start we start talking on here, and then it kind of just goes in any well, let, any rabbit hole. I <laughs> I don't try to slow any conversations down or anything oh, like I, that. I, I I hope I hope that the the people are you know that they're, they're entertained by it. Anyway. Well. This is your, you and your thoughts and your experience with racing, and I'm just kind of trying to bounce things off you, and that's usually what I try to achieve with this stuff. Right. I don't want to, like, I don't want to make it, like, just an interview of, like, who are you, where did you start right, with right, that? Because right, right, yeah. any news article can you do can that. Go- you can Google it. But within, <laughs> like, an hour conversation like this, you can actually find out who you are and... Very easily, people can kind of pick up on how you go about navigating this kind of craziness of racing and oh my god, this media circus that sometimes we get roped into. Well, you get roped into media circus. I don't. Um, doesn't really trickle down too much into my racing. I think the only real there's not even that many real racing magazines left or even like news sources left for drag racing no you're gonna drag illustrated which is still really i, I mean they're out there national dragster which obviously is nhra the uh, fastest street car that's uh nmca nmra um and then you get like you have drag racing action magazine and then there's one more yeah, it's it's very finite. Yeah. It's a very finite I, amount of things. Yeah. yeah. It's like radio radio cars, you know, you're typically only gonna see them in Drag Illustrated. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll give them a little bit of do. Yeah, Wes does a good job at um kind T- of taking covering care of duck. everybody. Yeah, taking care of duck. But now Wes also tries to stick with like fast door car stuff. I mean, you'll see them from time to time. They'll do some dra- top dragster or some other NHRA stuff, but most of the time, it's fast door car, whether it's big tire or radial. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you'll see more, like, online. There's so many freaking websites to cover drag racing, and I think that that gets a little 
fragmented. You know, you have drag zine, you have competition plus. Um, yeah, what's the other a, one? It almost gets washed out. A little bit. A lot of noise. It used to be such a big thing to be in a magazine with a car. And now I feel like it's so sad because, like, they're looking for people because there's no stories. But, like, there is. I just feel like it's it's different levels. They're oh, looking for people in, like, NHRA, you know, door car. Like, when you call a car a door car, you're already in a different class than me. Yeah. We don't even talk about door car in <laughs> street car class because, like, what do you mean? What? <laughs> you don't have doors? Like, you mean, like, Cletus? Uh, right. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. No, that, like when you say door car, it gets like right over our head. Yeah. No, and that's that's actually a fair point. I never really thought about it that way. Yeah, because we refer to door car dragster. It's not a term we use. In, yeah. At Bradenton, there's very rarely anything but door cars. Right. Yeah, your bracket race will get you a few dragsters, but like for streetcar stuff, then yeah, that would totally be yeah, that would be silly of me to say <laughs> refer to everything as door. I just cars. don't even think about it, just because that's like a term that's not widely used in um in our level. Right. Yeah, and I guess the reason, you know, like you do super gas or super comp, you know, because you, can, you can't put a dragster in super gas, but you can put a super gas car in super comp, you know. So then they go, okay, well, it's a door car in super – I run a door car in super comp. And, then, you know, people mm-hmm. are like, oh, okay, a class is predominantly dominated by dragsters has – oh, you run a door car in there. So I guess I could see that. I never really thought about it until you just said that, like, Door car goes right over my head. I was like, oh, I was like yeah, everything's a door car. Yeah, that kind of makes so, sense um, now. Import racing, though. Have the imports been able to venture into NHRA at all? You Have know, NHRA uh, tried to welcome them? Well, now, don't forget, NHRA had the import series. I mean, I'm old. Matt Scranton. I mean, they had it. And it went away. Mm-hmm. And now... I feel like it is just like everything else in drag racing. The import guys are out there, and they're fragmented out. Like, we showed up um, Orlando. On, I showed up there Sunday before sick week actually started. Saturday, I'm sorry, sorry. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And there was an import race. Yep. And I was blown away. Like, that is another passionate group of people that spends money. I see Jerry Bickle cars. I see Jerry Haas cars, uh, RJ cars. I, you know, everybody's got a colorful crew shirt. Their companies are on them. There's families out there. Yep. There's kids running everywhere. And I'm like, yes, this is good. This is good. It's different, but it's good. It's good for us as a segment. Yeah, it adds to the racing in a whole. I mean, I... My other car that wasn't here, it's a fourth-gen Camaro with a 2JZ. Okay. Toyota motor, and it goes 790s, but I'm, like, one of the only guys kind of in my class that's, like, the mix of the import and domestic. Right. But even you're talking about an LS in your car, you can make 1,500 horsepower with a 2J. You can go out there with an import motor and try to get different fans into that class. Yep. Like, you could easily have a 2J with a turbo that makes... 1500 horsepower but i don't know if that would even fit in your class that you're talking about here well i mean again i don't even six cylinder three liter i don't there probably have to be something that would go and comp eliminator i don't even think there's a rule in the rule book for an import engine in a top sportsman i would have Hmm. to go that's a good that's a good thing i'd have to go look because that's like a huge segment of the audience just like immediately cut out yep 
like people like Victor that own Bradenton, he owns a import yep. shop. Yep, for <laughs> and, sure. I never thought about that. That's, you know, and again, that's the whole thing with it is like, I think, you know, you, when you fragmented things out, we miss, like you just, you know, alluded to, we miss pieces of the audience and we don't have the manufacturer support. And if we have an audience that we can bring in and then we can entice the manufacturer support to come in and have them part of the touring circus, that's what I call it, uh, the, you know, then we, we're, we're changing. You're, 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 you're adding, you're bringing new eyeballs in, you know. I, I mean, I went to a couple of, so this, so Nopi events yeah. uh and you know for the army and like lisa and matt and you know they had i mean heck matt hartford that runs nhra pro stock now i mean he was a a sport compact guy and most people don't remember that um most people don't know that matt was in the navy either and he's a ceo at total seal um so that's interesting i'd have to look in the rule book for that because <laughs> i mean Again, it's the same thing, right? So, like, is all horsepower to weight? How fast can we go with what we have? And so um, that's always the deal is, like, can you build something that will survive and it'll make still still make solid horsepower to propel you to what you need to go to? Yeah, so, like, your motor that you're putting together with the Pro Charger, like, what kind of power does that make? 2,000? Yeah, we should be in the 2,000 range on, yeah. the, on the LSR block, and then we'll probably be a little bit north of that on the billet deal. Through a what trans? Uh, three speed. Is that a 400? Yep. I didn't know if you had a yep. Lanko or something in nope. there. Nope. ATI turbo 400. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a stretch for a 2J to make that power, but once you kind of use a bill of block and no cooling system, you can kind of get away with it, but it's going to be hard to make it live. That's the thing. And that's, but even LSs don't live all that happily. I've seen cracked cylinder oh, heads yeah. all over the place. Yes, very much so. Um, and that's, you know, again, that's also... The you know you alluded to it earlier when you said about the crank area in LS and the turbos seem to have a little bit more forgiving on the LS market with turbos, which I have an issue with the turbos because it sounds like small arms fire when they're popping and banging when they're bumping in, and mm-hmm. they, that's a real I have to like really tell myself that that nobody is shooting guns it's just a turbo car, uh, uh-huh. and I don't think anybody ever really thinks about that but. Um, so like Mark Mickey this weekend. Yep, I will have to. He tested yesterday. I was kind of standing down there on the starting line. And I was like, okay, it's just you know, you see the car, you know that it's you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I never thought about that in, in, in that aspect. I like. I mean, I'll always be a through and through nitrous guy because that's what I grew up with as a kid with my dad. Um, but the Pro Charger deal is appealing to me because you just control everything based off engine RPM. And how fast you spin it. And I really, because I'm a racer, I don't need to be the quickest and fastest. I need to be the most consistent. And uh, that's where the whole heads up thing kind of, you got to race the racetrack. You know, sometimes it's okay for you to hit seven iron and not worry about pulling your driver out. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's okay. Or your fairway would, you can leave fairway in the, in the bag and just hit your seven and race, race the racetrack. Um, but, yeah, no, that's um, that's interesting. I like the import. I like 
man, there's there again, they're another passionate group. I mean, just they're cooking and carrying on, and I mean, it yeah. just that guy. I'm like, yeah, that's the first time I'd ever been to one. In like well, maybe you get to 15 import years, import World Cup this year, import versus domestic up in Maryland. They do that every year. Flow Racing covers it. That'd be an interesting one for you to see because it's um it's unique. I, I I don't know if the the flow flow uh, HR department's listening or not, but it sounds like it just got dropped, name dropped in there for. It's for, pretty good spot up there. Yeah, yeah, they do a they do a good job on that deal. Well, we've been going for a while here. Um, where can they find you at? Oh my God, uh, I'm pretty uh, easily acceptable and accessible. Sorry, acceptable. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Don O'Neill, Don O'Neill Racing. I am the drag racing Don O'Neill, not the dirt track Don O'Neill. Um, answer about anything that gets sent to me if it's within reason. Uh, podcast, Racers and Rental Cars, Spotify, App, Apple iTunes, across the board. Um, totally enjoyed doing that. So if you want to reach out on any of that. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you letting me be on here. And uh, hopefully I didn't make any of your listeners' ears bleed. No, I think it's um I think it's an awesome perspective. I, I really like hearing that and you bring obviously a very unique perspective from some of the other people that I've had on and I really appreciate you uh getting the time during this craziness of World Series of Pro Mod. Come sit down. Guys, sorry that there was some camera issues, but if you're watching, um I always recommend just put your headphones in and work on your car or something and just listen anyways. But if you are watching, a little bit of camera issues. Um Regardless, though, man, thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to uh, hopefully being in the pits, and maybe you'll come around and interview me, or maybe um, maybe we'll get to line up someday. <laughs> never, never know, and I always uh, appreciate the time. Thank you, Cooper. Yeah, thanks, man. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.